What's going on? Welcome back to the Nothing But Nugs podcast. In this episode, Mike and I are joined by Superfan Jill to break down the last two Nuggets games, including some scheduling and COVID testing criticisms we have of the league. We talk about the spark that Barton and MPJ have provided, as well as whether we are concerned with Jamal's mini slump. Lastly, we touch on LeBron's comments of the most disrespected players in the league, as well as the latest in trade rumors. Enjoy the episode and take care. What's going on, Nuggets Nation? Welcome back to another episode. In this podcast, we have a special guest, uh, backed by popular demand, is Superfan Jill. Hello, hello, back. <laughs> Good to have you. All right, so I'll uh, I'll start things off. Yeah, so we've only had two games since we last spoke uh, because of the All Star break. So one of those was. A pretty sloppy win against the Memphis Grizzlies on Friday night in our first game back. And then we had a pretty bad loss to the Mavs um, on the second night of a back-to-back. So on Saturday night. So I want to get your guys' thoughts. Um, I saw some quotes, you know, floating around Twitter that, you know, this Mavs defeat was quote-unquote a scheduled loss um Mike I'll start with you I mean what do you what do you think of that term and do you agree with it uh I I mean it it would be hard for me to argue if if that's what the players are feeling out there and that's what the coach was feeling it'd be hard for me to argue against that um, you know, the fact that they had a late flight, the fact that they had to come in early for testing, the testing got screwed up and then they, they had to make Jamal miss his pregame nap, uh, <laughs> to come back in for a, a second round of testing. Um, you know, basically being tested like three times a day for the last like few days. Um, yeah, that, that seems pretty brutal. Um, you know, I know this, we we've talked about how they're people they're not just millionaires um this seems pretty disruptive not just to their basketball lives but to their lives so you know um it's hard for me not to like go to a a more global thing of saying like well if this is the kind of basketball we're gonna see when we see the Mavs against the Nuggets like in a second half of the season game like what are we even playing the basketball for um (laughs) like the the product on the court was was horrific as compared to like what it could be if both of these teams were playing you know at their best so um so yeah I I definitely it feels like a schedule loss it feels weird when we sit out the Wednesday and Thursday when people are playing only to play a back-to-back Friday Saturday (laughs) um just all it all feels kind of dumb um but I, I think like the important thing is is even as the injuries continue I mean and like we got guys back and then Monte goes out um and you know it's the Nuggets were one and two in two games that could have been a loss so at the end of the day like I'm happy like it's a bit results oriented but I I've just got like a a smile on my face seeing the nuggets back in fifth place uh, for the record in the, in the conference 
you know, and having and seeing the people above them, you know, kind of within within striking distance. So, um, yeah, the the schedule is done, but uh, the Nuggets are right where we want them to be. Yeah. And before I have you jump in, Jill, I, I was honestly shocked um, to find out that, you know, their flight landed at 2 a.m. and then they had to be back to the arena by 8 a.m. for testing. I mean, Jill can attest to this better than anyone, but like when I don't get my, my eight hours of sleep, like I'm a completely different person and I cannot imagine, like, I don't know. Yeah. You probably had to sleep for like four hours, go back, you know, and then maybe go back to sleep before you had to come back at 1 PM. Um, That just seems like a recipe for a getting injured or B getting ill you know, and the whole point of this is to like prevent the spread of a virus that, you know, not getting enough sleep is like, you know, a pretty easy way to get sick in the first place. So yeah, I I was pretty shocked to hear that. And that was a good point about us, you know, having Wednesday and Thursday off only to play a back to back. And so I kind of want to bring up the broader issue of like back to backs in general I I think they should just not exist. <laughs> I think it's bad for the product, like Mike said. Um, it's not good for the players. You know, I think the league needs to do whatever they can to prevent them. And A, like having two nights off and then having a back-to-back, you know, just play every other night. Um, I don't see the difference. Um, another option long-term is to shorten the – amount of games obviously I would like to see that or lengthen the season by duration but yeah what Jill what are your thoughts on all this well I think it's kind of weird too like kind of adding on like all the testing like it sounds like they didn't even get to really have an all-star break like go anywhere fun which is it's crazy they kind of been go 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 for like months now I can't imagine that life like you literally have no breaks so that's exhausting and then I think Malone brought this up in in a post-game interview, but they're one of the few teams that has any of those series games. A lot of people have been doing back-to-backs against the same opponent at at their home arena. We've only had, like, one or two where most teams have had, like, 10-plus. So, I mean, it would have made more sense if, like, we played the Mavs back-to-back at home and so, like, you know, less travel, more sleeping – so I just think, I mean, as always, I think the Nuggets always get the short end of the stick, but that's just the Nug life working in action. So what are you going to do? Um, I mean, we're never going to get like a good schedule like the Lakers do. So it's kind of like it is what it is. But um, yeah, I mean, I think they they looked good the first game. I mean, we barely, barely won against the Grizzlies, um, which I feel like it was one of those games um, – the front half of the season, we probably would have lost, but somehow we pulled it out. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, I'm with Mike. I feel really optimistic going forward. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, during that Grizzlies game, you know, when Jokic hit the three to go up six, I was like, oh, we, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to win a close game. But then um, when it got close to the end and they actually had a chance, I was like, oh, shoot, you know, this is just the season where nothing goes our way, but then, you know, it turned out that, um, you know, I, I think the refs made the right call. Um, I don't think Jokic fouled them at the end of that game, but 
um, we did seem to get a little bit lucky just because I feel like they easily could have made that call. I mean, hey, we uh, we've gone to Memphis and and driven home after uh, an away <laughs> loss, so it it happens. <laughs> That's it's a tough place for the Nuggets to play for some reason. So it's like a dark arena, if I remember correctly. Like the lighting in there, it's very old school, and like the lighting is super weird. Um, the Nuggets always seem to like shoot poorly in Memphis. Not will. That's true. And not Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's a a good segue. I do want to talk a little bit about the Mavs game, like, in more detail. But just, like, in general, let's let's touch on Will Barton. So he has now brought his three-point shooting percentage up to over 40% on the season, um, which is above where I thought he would be. And I want to know from you guys, like, what do you think his, if everyone's healthy, like, I I have my own opinion on this, but what do you guys think, like, his ideal role is on this team? Starting three. Okay. Jill, what about you? Yeah, I I think so. I think he deserves a start. I just wish, (laughs) I think a lot of Nuggets Nation hopes he just, like, tones down his ISO sometimes, but sometimes we need that. So I think he needs to be, like, you know, the 15 points a game, five rebounds guy. Like, I feel like that's a good role for, for Will. Yeah. And him starting at three is an interesting one because I – like, my thought process with Will over the last couple of years when he's playing well is, like, he's an ideal fit to be, like, the um, a bench unit scorer which I think he still can be if he's starting at the three because, you know, we're not going to always play like 10 guys. But what we've seen lately with MPJ at the four, I think, I think Mike, you are right that um, him starting at the three probably is, you know, the best position for him. And like, like you said, Jill, getting up to like 15 points per game, I think that's definitely something we could see if his minutes were to be staggered, like, I would like to see him be the first person, if he is the starting three, be the first guy subbed out and then get some minutes with, with the bench unit where he can kind of be that score uh, to support that unit. So I do want to talk a little bit at the, about the Mavs game. So we saw you know, what, what's been working well the last couple weeks with Mike at the four, he kind of started there because of some injuries and we, we capped off a five game winning streak with that Memphis win. And then uh, we get to the Mavs game and the starting lineup was Millsap at the four and Mike at the three and, and not, (laughs) (laughs) and not that that lineup can't work, but I was honestly just surprised to see Malone make that change um, because I think it's going to be hard to revert that. Like Millsap was the starting four and then he wasn't because of injury, but now to like reestablish Millsap as the starting four, I think it's going to be difficult for Malone to go back to like one, you know, next game tonight, hopefully, 
do we really think he's he's going to change that, or is Millsap going to start at the four again tonight? I don't I don't know, but I I mean, you know, like what what we've talked about over the course of the last month, you know, in in basically is that the integration of Michael Porter Jr. into this lineup, into this team is the most important thing. You finally get him shooting with confidence, rebounding, playing well, um, having a defined role, and then you switch him out so that you can get Paul Millsap into the lineup (laughs) and then MPJ plays like five minutes in the first half because he can't guard a three um, which is obviously like partially on him Um, but yeah we're just going to keep coming back to this roster was created in the absence of Jeremy Grant and it wasn't an initial like blueprint um, and it's just a weird roster. Um, the fact that we didn't end up back with Tory Craig, I think will continue to hurt us as much as it probably helps us. But like having J, J- Mike, who is just really struggling mm-hmm. right now. Um, I mean, it, it's hard to watch him play right now. And then Paul, who, you know, it's also hard to watch him play sometimes because we know what he's capable of. And we know what we're seeing out there. Um, and yeah, so I, it's, it's like you have two guys that deserve minutes in the league, but in order to get them into the game, you have to either take out like MPJ or Jokic. And that's really tough. Yeah, I mean, who do you think, Nate, who do you think should have started over Paul? Um, I would have done, so obviously Monte was out, so that, kind of left us a little short a little short in the guard spot um but what was working with Monte you know I would have probably gone with a like for like sub and either gone with Faku or PJ probably PJ um and another thing I wanted to mention on the Mavs game is that I I know at least in the first half PJ's minutes were completely staggered with uh Luca's so he never really got the opportunity to guard Luca, which, you know, going into that game, name, you know, our best player to guard Luca. I mean, it's Gary who was out. And then I would probably say after that, it would be PJ. And he really didn't get the chance to. So I thought that was super bizarre. Um, and then along that same note, you know, we saw Jamal guarding him, which, you know, I think. I think the jury is still out on Jamal's defense. Um, It can be hit or miss. I think his help side D is pretty atrocious at times. Like he'll just kind of forget what he's doing out there. Um, But, you know, he he can be a decent one V one defender. And I wonder when, when I saw Jamal guarding Luca, a part of me thought, that Jamal asked for that assignment just because that's kind of the, that's the player that he is. Like he, he wants the smoke, like he wants that, but I just don't think, I don't really think that was the assignment. I think our defensive strategy was completely off. Like we saw players switching half the time, half the time that like, I don't know, people didn't know whether they were switching or not. Like they were just getting wide open looks 
And, you know, a part of that could be the fact that it was on a back-to-back and they really didn't have time to prepare. Um, so I'm not going to put too much weight on this, but I just thought the, the game in general was just super sloppy to me um, from, you know, the coaching staff down to the players themselves, with the exception of uh, Barton and MPJ. I do think, though, yep. like, <laughs> Nate, you and I are watching it, and it's like, we were so close to like coming back a few times and then like our shot selection, it was just so weird. Like everybody wanted to ice. So like PJ was just pulling up jumpers from nowhere. It was just like, what is going on? There was just, there just wasn't like <laughs> cohesive team energy at some points in the game. It's just like, I don't know. It was just a weird vibe. Uh, maybe cause Jamal's like yeah. going off on everybody, but um, yeah, everybody was just trying to like, pull up random jumpers that's just like not how our team works so it's just weird to see that yeah and I think a lot of that comes back down to like what is everyone's role on this team and that's like still up in the air for a lot of guys and I think you know Malone changing up the lineup and you know having some weird rotations like it messes with that so I think it was it was in the second quarter I believe we had a stint where Hartenstein, Jamichael, and Vlatko were all on the floor together. Like, what – or maybe it was Zeke instead of Hartenstein, but um, it was just such a weird lineup. And, Jill, you pointed it out. You were like, we have three bigs in and no one's mm-hmm. rebounding. I was like, yeah, that's a good point. Like, why, why have three guys in if no one's going to crash, like, the offensive boards or anything? So – that was a really bizarre rotation. Yeah, I think Flacco was getting um, the most rebounds of everybody, which is amazing. Incredible. <laughs> and another thing, like, we haven't really talked about him much on this show, but um, I think it would have been a solid game for Bull Bull to get some minutes um, at the three just because we were so short in the guard position. Um, I, I don't know. I would have rather seen him in there than Vlatko personally with um with those other two bigs just to just to get some minutes I I don't know what are your guys' thoughts on that I'm not gonna let you go I don't really have the most most nice things about Bobo so you can go first I'm I'm out I don't know like when he plays in garbage time I I think my my Bobo ship has sailed already yeah I I don't know I think he's He's shown that he's a good shooter. Um, I'm not giving up on him. Like, he he needs some time. I mean, we saw how Mike was in his first, like, 20 to 30 games. So, um, I don't know. I think I don't know. It's a little different than MPJ, though. Like, Bobo, like, is very, very slow to move back. Like, it's just it's just a weird – and then he'll just, like, pull up from half court and make it. And you're like, what is going on? But then again – He's yeah. got a good shot. I don't know. But that's very optimistic of you, so I like it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, of course, so it's easy for me to say now, like, oh, we should have done this, we should have done that. Um, but I can tell you the second that I saw the three bigs in together, I turned to Jill and I was like, <laughs> what is this lineup? And it didn't work out, so <laughs> at least there's that. Yeah, when when Luca got Blacko switched onto him at the three point line, and then Blacko got cooked, it was kind of just like, why are we even watching? 
I'm, I'm so confused by the whole like, this thing. Is... I just like can't get over it. He was he was great <laughs> until he had to guard Luca. I just I can't get over it. And I think there's just some resentment how we kept Black Coat and we got rid of Tory Craig. Like that was an easy switcheroo <laughs> for me. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's a morale thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Vlatko, I think, is Jokic's best friend. And um, Tori Craig, him and Jokic, I don't think, got along super well in the court. Like, I saw yeah, and MPJ's best, best friend. friend. And now, <laughs> and MPJ's, yeah. Yeah, and, and Will and MPJ are best friends, so we can't trade Will now. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, that's a good point on Tori. Like, he would have been the perfect person to start last night um, at the three. But 2020 Mike is cringing, though, hearing yeah. that. Yep. Obviously, he's in a bit of a slump. The last two games, he's shooting a combined five of 27, uh, which is just atrocious. Um, I don't think I've like ever said on this podcast like my Jamal theory and why he doesn't always get off to like a good start to the season. And I think it kind of plays into like the all-star break as well. And I get the sense that Jamal, like away from basketball, doesn't like, isn't thinking about the game. Like he completely switches off, which I think is healthy and good, but um, it kind of plays into the fact that like he gets off to a slow start um, every season. And then, you know, coming back from the all-star break, he's in a bit of a slump. So, you know, I have a ton of confidence in Jamal. And I think, you know, if it's not tonight, it's going to be the next game that um, we see him back to his usual self. Do you guys have any concerns? Zero. No concerns. <laughs> he didn't get his nap. And you, yeah. you know Jamal's looking at all these. <laughs> He's the worst right now on Twitter. and He's just like, F you guys. I'm going to go off tonight yeah I, I hope so I mean he um yeah I mean he's proven too many times that um he's one of the, the top scorers in this league so I think I think he'll bounce back tonight it's my prediction 25 <laughs> right, I'll bet I'll on FanDuel later <laughs> six, six, six threes whoa okay. uh, 31 points his three-point attempts are down over the last couple of games, so maybe it's just a matter of getting more up. So hopefully we do see that. All right, so I want to transition. Um, I just thought it would be like a quick little fun segment. LeBron mentioned before the All-Star break, he had tweeted out that Devin Booker is the most disrespected player in the league, and then he followed that up with, followed by uh, Dame Dalla. <laughs> I I couldn't disagree with this more. What and I I want to hear from you guys first, but um what do you guys think? Who do you guys have someone in mind that you think is the most disrespected player in the league or a couple of guys and what do you think about LeBron saying this about uh Devin and Dame? I mean, I, I think it's Rudy Gobert because he actually sucks and he deserves the disrespect. I think that it's the easiest question for me. Um, I mean, Devin Booker has had like an okay, 
like start to the season got an all got in the all-star team like Mm -hmm. I'm uh and like I think we're a little bit inflated because of like on Twitter Dame is like you know Jesus basically so maybe there's like parts of the NBA fandom that like don't respect Dame but like from where I'm sitting like Dame takes up more oxygen than than like even like Kevin Durant or Mm -hmm. like um or or Kawhi yeah Yeah, I I was trying to just not even focus on Nuggets because we ain't (laughs) we ain't ever getting oxygen so um so yeah like I it's that's crazy to me I I just like I mean, at some point, LeBron is rich enough and isolated enough and, you know, like his opinions kind of eh. <laughs> like I'll, I'll listen to him about like the X's and O's because he's genius. But yeah. in terms of like his reading of like social situations or or like how the the American public feels about certain players. Well, I think, I think the big argument with Devin Booker is, I mean, if you just look at the Suns like he's played for them for what four years and they've literally been like 13 14 or 15 like you know standing like if you're that amazing you should be able to make the playoffs you know like I just find it hard to believe he's that disrespected if he can't even make the playoffs I don't know yeah that's a good point I mean where I kind of stand with these two guys is they seem like very appropriately respected (laughs) like Devin Booker is viewed as you know probably a top 20 maybe 25 player in the league he's been an all-star the last two years is he better than that like I don't think so and then Dame like Mike said um, Dame has talked about in the media all the time like there's calls for him to be the MVP (laughs) this year he's a six-time all-star I don't think he's very disrespected um so yeah and, and guys that I have in mind and this the I don't know these might seem weird but to me like the two guys that I think of are Kyrie and Brad Beal and you know based on their play this year I think they are MVP candidates I think they're both like playing at like a top five level in the NBA um Obviously, they both are all-stars, but sometimes, you know, you see them outside of people's, like, top 15 list or whatever. So, I kind of went the opposite route of Mike and a lot of guys that, like, I think are, you know, a tier above where they I think I, I had some, too. I think someone – I feel like the Bucks are always really good, and I think Chris Middleton always gets not the attention he needs, I think – or he deserves. And then, and then also – yeah, the Miami Heat is always pretty good. I mean, they they made the finals last year, and like no one is talking about anyone on their team, and it's mm-hmm. like pretty strange to me. Yeah, that that's a good point. They did have a rough start, but I think I saw this morning that they've won like nine out of their last ten games. Ten um, of eleven. Yeah, they're doing 11, better than so, yeah, the Celtics right now. I mean, they're back. They're they're back into fifth, I think. So they've gone from like thirteenth to fifth in in a couple of weeks. That's crazy. But, like, I feel like the whole Devin Booker argument is, like, saying that, like, you know, someone on, like, the Timberwolves right now should be getting more attention. It's like, no, like, they literally can't (laughs) win games. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I completely agree. Yeah, and it's just, like, we – there's more stars in the NBA now than there were five years ago, than there were 10 years ago, than there were 20 years ago. Like, 
the top talent is getting better and there's more of them. So I, I just, I don't really like the underrated, overrated <laughs> discourse, as you could tell by mm-hmm. the way that I answered the question. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're, there's just not going to be, you know, enough, enough energy in the media to cover all of the great players when, you know, most of the focus is still going to be on the top one or two players every night. Yeah, I completely agree. That's a good point. All right. So the last thing I just want to mention real quick is obviously with the trade deadline coming up, um, there's kind of increased talks and we woke up this morning to rumors of Aaron Gordon and there are like five teams that are interested in him. One of them being the Nuggets. You know, I I could see him being a good fit with this Nuggets team. So his salary right now, um, this year is 18 million and then next year is 16 million. He kind of had one of those that started high and, and dropped over time. And then after next season, he's an unrestricted free agent. So, you know, and he's only 25. I think he would be a really good fit in Denver. I don't know what we would have to give up for him. Um, interestingly enough, Gary's salary no. is more than Aaron Gordon's, which I was kind of surprised to see. Like, I'm not saying I want to give up on G, um, but I don't know. That's just someone that um, the the time timeline matches and, you know, the the salaries, they could make it work. But I don't know. Any well, thoughts on that? I think if case? there's any trade rumors about getting rid of Gary Harris – yeah, I, do, I just don't know if Aaron Gordon is good or not. So I think we'll find out with whatever move Aaron makes this trade deadline. Um, and whoever gambles on him will either be really happy or not. So, Yeah, I agree. I think um, I was surprised to see he's only 25. I thought he was older than that. Um, he seems to have been in the league a while, obviously, um, you know, we saw him in the slam dunk competition a couple of times. So he's a high flyer, um, decent wing. I don't know. I think it'll be interesting where he ends up. And Isn't he more he of like a J-Mike sort of? Like he's more of a four than a three. So then we'd have J-Mike, yeah. Millsap, and uh, Aaron Gordon. And we still want to play MPJ at four. <laughs> yeah so no that that's why why it's just like that is like a big no for me unless they like give up j mike potentially um but yeah i i don't know i just can't i mean yeah being the super fan i am i can't imagine giving up gary harris because i just feel like he's even though he's not that good anymore he is just like a life of the team and he loves the city so much. Like we should just keep him on for the rest yeah. of his career. Just, just because <laughs> he's been through the worst with us and he's still here. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I do think he's still an elite defender. Um, I think he's one of the top, you know, five on ball guard defenders in the NBA. The, the problem with me is just his injuries and in that every time he seems to turn it around and start playing well, 
he's out for six to eight weeks and it's happened every single year. So from a, you know, personal fan standpoint, I want Gary to be here forever from like a basketball standpoint and wanting the nuggets to be the best. I, maybe it would be in their best interest to move him just because of yeah, his injury I, history. I think that I've like kind of evolved a little bit. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to switch, switch gears off of G uh, specifically. And I'm going to say that I really want the Nuggets front office to stay with this team through the deadline. There's nobody out there um, to me, like at this point, that makes us better. I do think that there's like de- definite consolidation that needs to be had. There's too many guards. Um, and then our forwards aren't really useful. Uh, <laughs> so like there's, there's something that needs to happen, but I think all that can be addressed in the off season. And I just really, I just like, I'm really, I think we're seeing this momentum from Will Barton that started a couple weeks ago. And I was talking about, how I'd, I'd seen some some growth there. And and now it's like, if Will is our most tradable asset, like, I, that's just a no for me. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just a big, big, big no. Um, and then if you have to give up something to give up Gary as well, then that's also a no. Because I'd rather have a the potential of Gary than to give up an asset just to get rid of him. Like, that's dumb. And I don't know. So I'm, I'm just, I've kind of evolved. I think I want this Nuggets team to kind of stay. Uh, I want Malone to figure out the rotations. I want everything to get a little bit tighter. Um, and I want to see what this team can be as it's currently constructed. Because while I think the roster constru- construction is bad, the players that we have are good enough to overcome that. Um, bar- barring, barring significant injuries yeah. to to Nicola uh, or Jamal. I love it. Yeah. I will. I think you're in luck because <laughs> this front office doesn't make moves. So <laughs> I think, I think uh, your wish is, is going to be fulfilled. All right. So looking on into the next week, um, we have Indiana tonight, Charlotte Wednesday, Chicago Friday, and then New Orleans Sunday. Um, a little bit of an easier stretch here. I think some of these teams can um, propose some different challenges. I am excited tonight to see Karis LeVert back. He's one of my favorite non-nuggets and everything that he's been through um, throughout his career. And, you know, he's just an incredible scorer. So I look forward to seeing him play tonight. Hopefully he doesn't go off on us, though. But yeah, I mean, over these next four games, four very winnable games, um, I think the Nuggets look to get back to a win streak and maybe win all four or three out of four. Yeah, would the be Pels nice. are always a tough matchup for this Nuggets team. Um, you know, who guards Zion is a great question. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to that MPJ Zion matchup where MPJ plays. Two minutes of that first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you brought him up earlier. Someone who's struggling, but I think I think the best player on our roster to guard Zion would be Jamichael Green. So, um, we will see what that looks like. <laughs>